Welcome to Seals Pod. Mike Grace here filling in for Woodsy today. Have a two-part pod for you today. Uh, we're going to talk to Seals President Steve Govett just about camp, everything that's gone on with camp, his history in the game a little bit, uh, some of the different things going on here with the Seals on the business side, and uh, his outlook for the upcoming season. And then we finish up with an interview with Wes Berg and Cam Holding, just talking about their experiences with camp and the most recent beach lacrosse outing and everything that's going on leading up to opening night here coming up on December 7th. So here it is. Joined now by SEALs president, Steve Govett, and just finished camp. What what camp is this for you? How many <laughs> how many years? I mean, let's go all the way back to the playing wow. days. Right into the old guy questions. Well, no, it's the, the, the legacy of you in this league. And I mean, I mean, you've seen probably anything this league can offer as far as a uh, a camp and a, and lacrosse, you know, how, how long are we going back here? I think this is camp number 26. Wow. Camp 26. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure there's lots of guys in the league that have been through, um, probably 26 camps, but, uh, I can't think of them off the top of my head. Right. I mean, the, the, the list is probably on one hand if that, I mean, it's gotta be. Yeah, I guess. I mean, um, Mike French comes to mind who, you know, was in uh, with New England as an owner, but I, I don't think he goes to many camps. So are, is each camp different or are they, do they kind of, you know, or is camp camp? I mean, you know, obviously the excitement when a camp starts is probably, you know, kind of unparalleled to, to, to a lot of things in life, especially for a guy like you that just loves the sport, loves the game, um, you know, but do different things stand out from different camps or is it like, all right, the guys are working, getting ready for the season and just rolling with it? You know, it's funny you ask that because I think they're pretty much similar. Like they're, they're across the board. The goals are the same. Right. Uh, it, I always joke about this, but, you know, the, the best thing about the offseason is you can't lose. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So you wake up every Sunday morning and you're happy and you're good to go and. Um, you know, whereas you get in the season and you kind of ride the roller coaster and, and my wife would tell you the, the sat Friday or Saturday night wins or losses dictate the rest of the week for how the family's going to, um, walk on eggshells around you or, you know, enjoy in, or revel and when, and when in your you, excitement. And when you say you, you mean me because you take these losses and wins harder than anybody else that I've probably wow. ever seen. I mean, you know, Patrick Merrill takes them pretty hard too. That's true. Um, so I see a lot of, uh, of Patrick Merrill. Um, I, I see a lot of Steve Govett and Patrick Merrill, um, which, you know, obviously like mine, you hire people that, that you want to emulate, um, your values and and the culture that you want to try and create so um you know i think when you go into a training camp you you look at there's always that eternal optimism right every year just like baseball right is the smell of the fresh grass and um you know opening day is you know uh, what do they say Uh, hope springs eternal exactly right and and so i think when you start a training camp in the national lacrosse league you have certain expectations for players, at least I do, and, and you know, guys come in and, and every every guy I've ever been involved in, and, and even when you're a player, you are trying to do the math and, you know, you're penciling in your roster and, and you're, you're trying to figure out what your depth chart looks like. And ultimately, every camp, um, there are surprises um, and guys come in and, and surprise you in a super positive way. And sometimes they surprise you in a negative way. Um, and that's unfortunate, but that's just the nature of the beast, right? It's, it's guys that are prepared to play in particular, you know, scenarios and situations. And I think a lot of times what people don't understand about how rosters are put together is you come in and there's chemistry with a certain two, three guys and someone might be on the outside of that. He might be a really good player, um, but but you're really trying to find instant chemistry because you don't have a lot of time in the National Cross League to build chemistry, right? You don't get you know six or seven preseason games. You don't practice every day, so you're trying to figure out how guys mesh together. And sometimes that really good player in name on a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mesh as well as you thought he would with another guy and that's just the nature of sports i mean styles make fights as they say 
Yeah, I mean, I do find it funny. Yes, all the time, and 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 you emerge with a different style. You emerge with a different, you know. Uh, and some teams who have a massive amount of consistency, Saskatchewan Rust, for instance, they don't change their roster a whole lot. So they continue to build that chemistry. They continue continue to build their camaraderie amongst themselves. They have a great culture, and and these guys have played with each other for a number of years. They know what they're doing together. You know, teams like ours that are still evolving. Um, you know, with with a roster, and I was literally just watching a game from last season and fathoming how many guys have changed over on our roster, and for for you know, out of necessity, out of um, you know, out of process, but ultimately we're trying to, you know, we're trying to build consistency here. Um, I think ultimately this roster this year will show well over the course of a number of years because of the age of some of the guys right out of the box last year signed some free agents who we wanted to impact immediately and then had to say goodbye to some of those guys because of the free agent nature of of the roster so i do laugh every year and this happens every year as a gm every year uh, you know the last two years as a, as a president the biggest debates are over the you know the last guys on the roster you know the top 15, 16, 17 guys, usually pretty set. And then the debate and the discussion with, you know, the coaching staff and the GM, coaching staff, GM, in this case, are the same people, but his support group with his assistant coaches and great assistant coaches, ultimately the battles come down to the last guys on the roster. And guys that, you know, you might think have the least amount of impact on a roster, but ultimately garner the most amount of discussion it's really it's fascinating you know I, I mean I guess NFL goes through this with a 53 man roster the guy at 54 is always the most talked about guy for sure and always uh, the biggest debates in, in, in any roster I'm guessing what do you enjoy most about camp is it seeing young guys kind of getting their first opportunity or the growth they make or kind of watching the veterans get themselves right back into shape and ready to go something like that yeah I think it's anticipation of of what you you know, it's almost like Christmas morning, right? You get to open up your presents and see what you have. Um, and again, I think that's always the anticipation of getting to watch lacrosse again um, and getting to watch the, the meaningful lacrosse of, of the National Lacrosse League and, and what it means to have a camp open and see what the fruits of your puzzle um, you, you know, your jigsaw puzzle skills were and watching, you know, Patrick put it together and find out some of the players that maybe you don't, you're not as familiar with you, you get to see, wow, these guys have, have something to, to offer. Uh, and, and then I, what I really love, one of my favorites is a guy that maybe was marginalized in the year before or years previously that find a way to do something to take another step. And you can see guys take that step to new uh, heights. I mean, I'll, I'll, two guys that tried out for us last year that ultimately got cut, and Eli Goldbrook and, and and Mark Lucini, right, and come back to camp this year, and we're like solidly on the roster. Like, wow, what an, what an amazing evolution! And not that they got so much better. I think it was just that they got exposure. Uh, to the game. They had one camp under their belt and then the second camp, um, they both had amazing summers in their respective summer teams. Uh, and and so their growth in the game of lacrosse, whether it's indoor, outdoor, field, box, whatever you want to call it, ultimately they've grown in the game. And, and these guys are now solidly uh, San Diego Seals. And that's probably one of the bigger challenges of the NLL is developing players. You just don't have the practice time or resources to take young guys and coach them up because you've got games to prepare for camp isn't super long so these guys kind of have to get better on their own you do what you can to support them but to see them get there has got to be really rewarding it's extremely difficult in in our structure to develop a player i mean we we talk about it i mean in the construct of our collective bargaining agreement and what we want to make sure that we're uh preserving in that relationship is the the ability for players who you draft to be released and then move on to get a chance to play somewhere else quickly. Uh, as we expand, that will be vitally important for players to be accessible for the new expansion teams. You know, there's not a ton of, of 
you know, high level box lacrosse players available. We have to transition some American players, which again, using the same two examples and in Goldberg and Glassini, like two American players that weren't considered on other rosters. Uh, But ultimately it's, it's that transition opportunity that we're looking for. But, you know, we don't have that ability to develop players and, and the practice roster when you're only allowed to practice once a week in our case, um, and, and for, for very good reasons and longstanding very good reasons, it, it just is what it is. Um, but it's also a cultural divide. I mean, when you come into the National Lacrosse League, our culture as a league is different than other lacrosse. And, and so you have to very quickly understand the expectations, the roles placed on you. And, and early on in my career, when you know you grew up in in Canada and you played uh, more of a hockey mentality, where you're playing every week, practicing twice a week, playing two three games a week, you know, and you all lived in the same place and you spent time together, you socialized together, you did a bunch of things outside lacrosse, um, that that you built a tight knit group. But you also were you know if if you lost a game, it was disappointing, but you could forget about it quickly to having to change over to a mentality that was more football-like, right? More college football, NFL, where they play one game a week. And, and yes, you prepare all week, but our, prepare, our preparations are different from a mental perspective as they are from a physical practice perspective, but you're still preparing to play a weekly game, um, except for those rare weeks where you play those back-to-back type of games, which are uh, you know, a bit of a grueling kind of war of attrition um, in, that, in, in what, how you have to prepare. But ultimately, the mentality shift and the cultural change from even the summer lacrosse that, that these guys play to a more football-based mentality where you play that one game and it's on stage um, weekly. And so, you know, there's, a, there's just a different way to look at it and different philosophy for preparation. So let's talk about this camp. Um, what stood out to you? You know, you talk about some of the things that surprised you, uh, whether it was uh, Eli Gobrecht or Mark Lassini. W- what is going to stand out to you as you get ready for the season here in a couple weeks? Yeah, and and my getting ready for the season is a lot different than it's been in the past. But I will say that, you know, when you look as a collective, um, I thought the San Diego Seals came in. Uh, it was a very intense camp. I thought Patrick kept the tempo high. Uh, it was certainly extremely competitive. Uh, it wasn't a huge camp, but but it, you know we had some guys that we we were penciling into spots and trying to compete. I think very quickly we found. Um, that some people separated themselves from the pack. So speaking in generalizations here, I mean, specifically to uh, to some of the players that, that we're looking at, I mean, uh, you know, not to, in no particular order, certainly Westberg came in and established himself pretty quickly as an offensive leader and someone that is, you know, is you can start to see a team being built around that guy and the foundation of your franchise uh, will be, you know, with Westberg offensively for a, a number of years into the future. Obviously, we're waiting for, um, you know, uh, we're waiting for Austin Stotts to, to return. Um, but seeing a transformation in that young man who's been in San Diego rehabbing himself and working out and who has transformed his body into, uh, you know, what, what was a, a bigger, more massive um, person, right? Not not fat, but in any way, but mu- you know, but now he's lean and fast and and just a completely different person. So watching again, right? The the Westberg Austin Stotts dynamic of maybe not on the floor, but watching them emerge as as teammates. Um, Connor Fields and watching him, you know, having a camp last year and contributing, you know, slightly at the end of the season as he recovered from an ACL injury from college. Uh, But the summer that he had playing in the PLL and his evolution as a player, um, unbelievable vision and unbelievable, you know, uh, shooting ability and being able to stretch defenses. Uh, What I really enjoyed in just this past weekend was having to – getting a chance to watch Zach Greer, a veteran and a physical specimen and a guy that just takes care of his body and, and plays at the highest level and is, and is so dedicated to the, to the sport 
um, and super intelligent. And getting a chance to watch him and Connor Fields play together, really the 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 inflection and the the merger of the old and the new. Um, man, what two fun players to watch. And then thinking about how we're going to inject and infuse Austin Stotts into that dynamic with those two players. Yeah, you've got three completely different body types, very different skill, not skill levels, but skill sets. It's going to be super fun to watch once they get together. Those three guys, I mean, uh, from, a, from a dynamic perspective, really excited. And then Casey Jackson, who had an amazing year last year and was able to you know, kind of snipe from the outside and dunk the ball from behind and does a lot of really cool stuff, you know. And then watching, I think one of the things that was really intriguing for me in camp and, and probably something that, that was close to my heart and, you know, without letting a whole lot of people know this, um, you know, watching uh, Jeremy Noble come into camp uh, who was, you know, probably tossed aside last year and, and left, you know, on the roadside, if you will, um, metaphorically, uh, a kid that came in with a chip on his shoulder and wanting to prove something, and came in, you know, with a massive heart and, and just adapted and listened and said, you know, and he was told basically, hey, you got to do whatever it takes to make this team to contribute, to play, take a face off, run back on defense, to you know, do whatever. And he embraced that role and went out, you know, in the in the scrimmages in Vancouver a couple of weekends ago and was one of our best players on the floor against Saskatchewan. Um, really proud to hear that. I, I've been a big fan, Jeremy Noble fan for a long time. Acquired him when I was a GM in Colorado and, and you know, uh, made him a marquee player for us there and sad to see what happened to him in Colorado, but ultimately, you know, their loss, our gain. And, and so that was, that was amazing. Uh, you know, again, I, I go down the list of, of offensive talent to watch Connor Kiernan kind of develop in year two and, and, you know, where he's at with, uh, with his development. Um, but you know, uh, Dylan Riley who came in completely unknown to us, uh, but to be the body that he is and, and, and type of player that he is, um, transformed from last year when he was with the Rochester Nighthawks to this year uh, in a guy that was so dedicated to the NLL that he wanted to lose 30 pounds and come play for us. You know, I'm, I'm and he's still a load and he's still a load. I mean, in a, in a good way. I mean, that's yeah. just a big man. He looks like a linebacker out there, but he's really skilled. Yeah. Super excited to see Frankie's development and his play in the preseason has been amazing. So from defense out and the ageless wonder that Brody Merrill is and, and, you know, the leader that he, you know, he just exudes leadership, you know, and the new players that we have on the defensive end. But, but you know, again, some of those guys that are uh, more household names for us and Cam Holding and, uh, you know, I could go down a list of everybody and, and uh, you know, feel remiss if I miss guys because there was a ton of guys that stood out in their own way. Um, but excited to kind of see it all come together. Let's talk in generality, not in generalities, but the offense as a whole. You got a lot of new faces on the offense, and did you see progress, growth, uh, that gelling of of guys learning each other? I mean, really, especially with Austin Stotts out, you know, Casey Jackson might not be active right away in the season. So you had a lot of new faces learning to play with each other. Uh, what did that process look like in your eyes? Yeah, and look, I didn't go to Vancouver on the weekend that they played a couple games. I, I saw them here, and, and look, Patrick was beating the shit out of them. I mean, he's he's putting them in a situation where these guys are, you know, are, are especially in the first weekend, at the brink, right, at the, at the hardest part of camp where, you know, you're, you're taking them to the very edge of physical exhaustion and seeing who can kind of emerge. Um, it, it was it – was, you know, hard to watch in some cases when uh, these guys were at the, you know, kind of at the physical end. Plenty of guys said they'd never run that much in a camp, in a yeah. in a practice setting, that that was pretty much the hardest workout setting they'd ever been in. And I'm not sure that other teams approach things in that way. Um, but I do think that when, when you put them to the physical limits, you're going to see how, you know, when, when you put stress on anything, you see exactly how it's going to respond in, in quality time. Um, but you know what? I, I think, yes, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about when these guys were, you know, really gas tired and, and, and 
and done, what did they left? Who who had anything left in the tank, right? But the guy pound for pound, who I think might be the best player in the National Lacrosse League, pound for pounding, and Kyle Buchanan, right? At one point, when everybody was tired in the camp, you know, stops the practice, brings everybody into a huddle, and the smallest guy on the field, the slightest smallest guy on the field. Um, kind of rips everybody and says, "Look, now's the time, and and you know, clear the mechanism in your head, fellas, and just get back to work." And and ultimately, that practice turned on a dime at that point, where you had a lot of guys that were kind of dragging around the field. Kyle Buchanan changes the dynamic, and you know, this is what a young, you know, this is what a team with a lot of quality leadership uh, can do, right? And that's the beauty of it. You've got a relatively young team, but to have such great leadership in, in Kyle Buchanan, Brody Merrill, obviously, probably the greatest to ever do it on the leadership side and on the defensive side. And then a guy like Cam Holding and you know, Wes Berg coming in out of the blue, not out of the blue, but new to this team. Uh, you've got youth, but with some real, real quality leadership. No question. I mean, I'd put Zach Greer on that list as well, without question. And, you know, Garrett McIntosh and a few other guys that are really – you know, emerging as young leaders. But yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're the, you know, we're the sleeper. We were the sleeper last year. I mean, I don't think we're going to get away with that this year. Uh, there's a lot of people that are looking at what we did last year as the anomaly. And yeah, we had a lot of changes and, you know, Dan Dawson gone and Turner Evans gone and Sorchetti gone. And, you know, I mean, the list goes, uh, you know, Paul Dawson's going to the list of guys that are not here anymore. You could kind of turn around and go, well, they, they, they really didn't do anything to, you know, to, to replace those guys, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, I think, I, I think this year we're a more competitive bunch and not just simply focused on, you know, as Austin Stotts's team, we had to build up around him uh, and wait uh, with great anticipation to see his return because I think what he's returning to is a much different core of guys than than what he left. So the end of training camp here finished up with a super fun team building activity and something that really came straight from you and, and an idea that you've had with beach lacrosse and got a really nice showing of fans out. The players seem to have a fantastic time. It got super competitive and super fun. Uh, you know, give me your initial impressions of beach lacrosse. Was it everything you'd hoped? Was it, you know, more so where did it land for you? So the vision for beach lacrosse, just to backtrack a little bit, the vision for beach lacrosse actually started, um, in a, in a couple of different ways. So when I was a former player for the Philadelphia wings back in the uh, early nineties, there was a trip that was scheduled with a bunch of the wings guys to go down, and I want to say they went to Jamaica and ended up on ESPN2 where they played a beach lacrosse event down in Jamaica. I didn't get invited, so I felt slighted So by this that. has been the makeup for it for, yeah. for decades, yeah, literally. Yeah, this is a 30-year-old you know, um, uh, issue. No, I, uh, I went back to Canada and played in Canada and ultimately didn't play in this event, but they came back and they were just talking about how much of a blast they had, and I ended up watching some of the footage. And then um, you may or may not know um, of this this guy, but a guy I used to play with, uh, his name is Gabby Rowe. He, he kind of was instrumental in the growth of the AVP volleyball tour, but went on to create the Pro Beach Soccer Tour uh, and and has emerged as, as a sports marketing um, aficionado, if you will. He's out of Philadelphia and he does a ton of events. Um, so a bit of a, a genuflect to him. I think he was involved in the process to get this thing going on ESPN. Um, but that all being said is it's kind of been burning in the back of my head to want to do a beach lacrosse type event. Um, now, Denver, not the best place <laughs> to do many beach events. Not so much. Um, yeah, I mean, as much as I absolutely love Denver and, and played in the Vail Tournament a, t- a number of times, it's a great setting for wonderful lacrosse and has become that Western hotbed. Uh, but San Diego has these really unique opportunities to do some beach lacrosse events. And so um, I got together with, with Cam Holding, and we had some really good conversations about wanting to create beach lacrosse as a – as an outlet for a a different type of game. And one of the things that I think lacrosse is challenged by is we wear helmets. And 
I wanted an event, an opportunity whereby we could showcase our players across the board for the National Lacrosse League um, in a way to, to make them more marketable and more saleable um, is to put them on display out there and play our great game in a way that was, uh, you know, exposed um, to, to the world and, and in a great environment, right? So the, the weekend that we, we had this past weekend was our goal from an inner squad perspective to do a beach lacrosse event uh, and roll it out to our fans. A lot of people do, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our brothers in Brooklyn do a, a, a practice in the park, yep. uh, which is a super cool event where all their fans are allowed to come out and watch these guys play on a playground. Uh, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to engage our season ticket members and some of our fans to say, come on out, see these guys play in a way that you haven't seen them play before in a fun, more interactive. There were kids that ended up getting on the field with them and got to play. Um, but ultimately, when it got down to, you know, we had some round robin and then we played, uh, you know, a bracket challenge. Um, it turned out to be really fun. And you were on the mic and, and you were out there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was a I ton mean, of fun. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. And, and I think what this was an opportunity for us to do was to allow us uh, a bit of a dry run, a bit of a, uh, a testing ground, proving ground, for the, proving ground for the rules and how we were going to you know, lay this thing out. Because my vision for this is not just an event in San Diego, and, and it may be an event in San Diego for the National Lacrosse League to use as a tentpole event, you know, somewhere in, in our schedule, I don't know where yet, whether it's June, July, August, maybe September when all the summer lacrosse ends. Uh, but I really want to try and find a way to roll out a, a super cool event for youth teams, you know, junior roughnecks and junior, you know, Nighthawks to come play on a beach setting and the, the senior teams or the pro teams coming to play in a real true, you know, true challenge. I'm trying to figure out how to make it co-ed. I really want the co-ed angle. I think that's. I think there's so many great female players and women players out there that would revel in the opportunity to come play in a beach event in San Diego. So, you know, call me if you want to be involved. All those National Lacrosse League GMs, coaches, and players. I, I did. I did get a, a, some requests from our coaching staff to to try and play against some of the other coaching staffs. So oh. maybe a, maybe a veterans challenge or coach challenge and uh, I think that would be a ton of fun but look I, I think everybody in the National Lacrosse League would love to come down here uh, and be a part of, of an event like this I think it would be a ton of fun I think this is a you know instead of a ticket sales event where you have you know where you got to sell 20,000 tickets to a game or an event over a weekend that this is more of a studio-based television type of platform all those sponsors out there that want to get involved in uh, in sponsoring pro beach lacrosse I, I think that's one of our next steps but these are all the things that we're exploring but man wouldn't it be cool to play you know, uh, here in San Diego, of course, but man, man, you know, Kitsilano Beach in Vancouver and, 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 you know, on Long Island and at the shore in Jersey, you know, near Philly and, you know, in, 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 in Hilton Head in South Carolina and yeah. near Georgia. And, you know, there's so many places that we could take this type of event, you know, on the, on the shores of Lake Ontario in the summertime. Be for beautiful. Toronto, it'd be, it'd be a blast. I mean, there, there are so many places in the National Lacrosse League that we could put on, you know, Halifax, man. I mean, summertime in Halifax is, you know, these places are beautiful places in the summertime. And I think our fans would love to get out and see these players compete and interact in a way that is is much more, um, let's call it uh, loose or or informal than than what we have today, where we show up in suits and ties and play games. This is an opportunity to interact with guys on a on a you know really fun basis. Yeah, you talked about players wearing helmets and being hard to recognize. These guys weren't wearing shirts. No. I mean, you got to be very very close and intimate with these guys. Plus, you get right up on the field. I mean, it's an amazing spectator experience because you get to hear everything you get to see everything you get to see the skill when you can see these guys up close and that's probably what shocked me the most about this whole lacrosse experience is just how one physical and even the guys found a way to make this really physical the physicality of it but the skill level I mean it's unbelievable what these guys do with a stick and a ball and to be able to get that close and to see uh, these athletes performing like that it's really special well it's interesting because you're a person that 
you know, I mean, you you were completely new to the game when we met two years ago, and and you, you didn't know what to expect. Baseball guy, right? Yep. Ad- admitted, you know, baseball aficionado and, and a person that loves the game. I mean, I mean, you are the perfect person who loves sports, right? And and, and has a great appreciation for the skill level. But I mean, you joined the sport, you know two years ago and I think falling in love with it. I mean, tell me Absolutely. what your experience is. No doubt. I mean, and that's just not even towing the company line. I think I, I, I tell people all the time about, it. I'm like, all right, if you love sports, you're going to love this. It, it looks like hockey. It's played like basketball. It's as physical as football. And they're as skilled as everybody in all those sports. And, and on top of that, you've got these guys that are really, really accessible, really, really good guys that you don't mind your kids emulating in life. And it's just, it's an all around great package. Yeah. I mean, look, I've, I've had the great fortune to have my son and my daughter around, you know, these guys since they were, you know, three, four, five years old. And, and I got to tell you, there, there's not a whole lot of guys in this league that I wouldn't want them around. Your son at this point is, is having that opportunity now. And I, I laughed over the weekend, your, your little guy is playing in the sand and there's players all around him and, you know, interacting with them. And, and, you know, it's just a culture of, of inclusion. And I think we, so many lacrosse people want to share our sport with others. And I think, you know, our goal here at the Seals is to, is to do our best in a non-traditional lacrosse market by any means is for people to come out once and, and enjoy it and see what this sport is. And so every one of the guys that plays here for the Seals or is part of our organization like you are really, you know, we, we have a passion to kind of spread the word because we've all fallen in love with it at different stages in our lives. And, and I certainly was a lot younger and falling in love with it than you, but that doesn't diminish your passion for mine and, and ultimately how you're consuming the game in a different way. Ultimately, I just love to see new people come to the National Lacrosse League and, and walk away from their first experience going, holy cow, like this thing's awesome. This is tons of fun. Or even the people that are marginal when they come out of it going, yeah, it was okay. I'd go back. And, and then, you know, I think I've heard very rarely that person come away and go, that's a crap product. <laughs> I'm not coming back. Like, no, so rarely. And you've been around it a lot more with me with, with obviously your connection to the game of baseball here in San Diego. You've got a lot of people that, that we have kind of, and Steve Woods ultimately, right, is a radio announcer or, or a, a radio uh, morning guy um, who does our announcing and has a significant following in the baseball world. A lot of those people have kind of connected with our sport in a really roundabout way. Um, but, yeah, to watch cool, to, right? Yeah, to watch him interacting on Twitter with Sask fans and, and and people up in Calgary, it's pretty funny to see. And I mean, it, that's the beauty of this league and the fans and the interactivity of it all. Well, uh, yes, but also the well, I mean, the baseball fans in San Diego that have connected to the sport just through you and through through Woodsy. It's been fascinating to me. I mean, your what's your feedback been for some from some of those people? They most of it is shock. I think, and that was what it was for me too, because I didn't even know indoor lacrosse existed. I mean, I knew the basics of outdoor lacrosse and you know some of it, uh, an East Coast college sport, but didn't really know that indoor lacrosse was a thing. I think when I first reached out to you, I even called it the wrong league because I think the paper had it wrong. And so uh, I think most people were like holy cow, what is this? Like, where has this been? And the league's been around for over 30 years. So I think people are just like shocked that they've been missing it and that they didn't know about it. But when they get there, they're like, okay, this is super fun. Uh, Even if the game isn't amazing for your team, there's enough going on that it's a party atmosphere, that you have a great time. And that's what this league excels at. And I think that's what is been the most feedback that I've gotten is just the surprise that they didn't know this existed and that it, it could be this fun. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably the ultimate uh, effort that we need to go through here is to continue to get people to sample the product once. And, you know, you're trying to sell season tickets out there. I use this as an example a few times. It's like I'm trying to get people to, sell, you know, buy a whole case of Coke when they've never tasted c- Coca-Cola before, right? So we need to get uh, that taste and get them here and try it, you know, for the first time. And, you know, for those people that haven't been before uh, and just happen to be stumbling upon, uh, 
upon a podcast <laughs> with the seals, which is probably unlikely. But oh know, no, it's happening. It's definitely happening. <laughs> I I, uh, I think it's interesting. I think ultimately try it one time and 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 come find me and tell me if you're never coming back. And you know, I mean, ultimately, I think there's few of those people that uh, uh, that would would enjoy a game uh, a real live national lacrosse league game in our market and and ultimately walk away and go yeah i'm not coming back let's talk about some of the growth and the seals are seeing some good growth on the business side and i think that's been uh, really exciting for you and everybody in this organization uh you know talk about some of the strides that have been made in this offseason as we lead into this new season well i think when we first launched um here in the market there was a lot of the initial stages of what is this really, you know, lacrosse really? Yep. Um, I think we got a lot of that. And I think ultimately um, we had to dispel some of that. I, I obviously thought we came in at a really unique time in San Diego's sports history. Definitely. Um, you know, with, with the departure of the Chargers and that kind of whole world. And I think the last thing that we wanted at the time was to become – or, or to be known somehow as this team that was trying to replace the Chargers. I think that was a ridiculous nature uh, of a discussion that, that somehow we were going to replace an NFL juggernaut in this marketplace. And, and and certainly, you know, there was a lot of people pretty raw about that whole thing. There was a lot of emotion about the Chargers, uh, positively, negatively, mostly negatively, um, you know, maybe not about the players or the game, but but about ownership and how that all went down and the politics of the process. And look, that's not our place to, to get involved in. I mean, it, I think it was just more coincidental than anything else. Um, and so, you know, in our first year, I think we saw, you know, some great exposure. I, I loved uh, the support of the media and still do. I think they've, they've been great to us. I think obviously, you know, Woodsy has been an amazing cheerleader for us and that blowtorch marketer out there mm -hmm. talking about our product. And I, I value and treasure, you know, his interaction on our behalf. I, I can't thank him enough for that. But, but I do think across the board, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of substance in discussions that we've had, uh, you know, on, on a number of radio and, you know, certainly early on with our relationship with, um, with Kevin AC and, and, you know, that group, um, you know, th they were great. I'd love to see them out there more and talk about us more, you know, at the, at the Tribune, but ultimately, uh, it is what it is. I do think as we transition from year one to year two, where we've really seen a big interaction is with sponsors. And I think the sponsors in this marketplace have started to suggest that this is an alternative to some of what's going on in the marketplace and what we try to do and, and I think have been very committed to and your group and other groups within here is, um, you know, we're not joking around. This isn't a periphery type of sport where um, we're going to, uh, you know, kind of be around for a couple of years and, and we're only going to have two or three people in the front office. I mean, we've made a commitment to this market. Uh, we have, you know, great office staff and dedicated people who are focused on bringing a really, truly professional product to the mix. Uh, we, you know, we're playing in Pachanga Arena, which is, you know, as everybody in this market knows, is a dated building uh, and, and trying to figure out an alternative and a solution there, which, you know, at some point we'll talk about publicly uh, and, and trying to figure out that solution. But ultimately, where we've really seen the engagement is with a group of sponsors that see our business message and understand the, you know, our business focus and where we want to take this property and this sport and, and the new and interesting nature of introducing the sport to a lot of people that have never seen it before. And this is not just about whether you're a sports fan and excited about it. This is whether you want to be entertained as a family, as a group of, you know, dudes that are going out for a, for a few drinks and want to use this as your pre-party as a bunch of gals that are getting together as a, you know, to go out as a group and have fun. Uh, and again, families, you know, I, you see our demographic is really interesting. It's from, it's from 85 year old, you know, couples or men and women that go to our games and love it to to kids that come in a, as a birthday party and so i think sponsors are really starting to understand and see that we're we're pretty wide and diverse in the way that we're marketing our product we're doing it professionally the quality of the content that we're putting out there 
you know what? There's there's a lot of really positive things happening, and I think sponsors are seeing it, which ultimately will trickle down to consumers who want to engage in those same products at a, in a forward-facing retail opportunity. And, and here we are kind of providing those opportunities. You can kind of see it around town with Knock Around and and a few of our other partners that were that were knock around sunglasses that we're doing different things with, um, you're going to start to see this, you know, in a pretty big way. Coronado Brewing, who you know, local San Diego, right? Like this is truly, we are a San Diego based <laughs> sunglasses company. and beer. I mean, sunglasses come on. and beer. Like, what else do you want? You know, um, surfboards might be the next, right? Yep. So, uh, yep. if you're a surfboard company out there, give us a call. <laughs> Ready to take that call. And, and like you said, I think getting more multiple diverse brands and their audiences to get lacrosse and box lacrosse and the seals lacrosse in front of their eyes is only going to help grow the business lead to more ticket sales which makes a better atmosphere and a more fun game and hopefully you get that domino effect that just continues to grow and grow absolutely i mean i think obviously when we talked about beach lacrosse and taking the helmets off the guys and getting people more familiar with our guys that's one thing but the first thing first we have to put our brand out there as a forward-facing you know, commercial entity and get people to buy into the SEALs as a really forward-thinking entertainment product in this marketplace. And if you do that and you get excited about that and, and you, you, ex- you enjoy that, you're going to find your favorite player. You're going to find the guys that you enjoy watching uh, in the mix. But ultimately, it's that, that you know, brand-first mentality and and i think even our players who have they really understand the concept of playing for the trident or playing for the you know the seals brand first and they care you know less about playing for the name on the back of their jersey uh ultimately i do think they are you know they're all trying to build their brands in this day and age but for the most part, have engaged in playing for the brand on the front first, which how unique is that in San Diego sports? How unique is that in sports in general from a pro perspective is worrying less about the name on the back and more about the the name on the front. And, and a lot of that obviously is going to be attributed to Patrick Merrill and the culture that he's built. And we saw it pretty much in every practice, uh, family, team, and that's just what he is instilling. And if you don't get on board with that you're not going to be a part of this team no question i mean he's he's always been like that family's been very important to him the merrill family is very you know engaged in in culture um obviously both brody and patrick playing at the highest level um yeah but as coaching staff right josh sanderson and and billy greer and the guys that they're surrounding themselves with um, you know, with with some of the cultural coaches that they're bringing into the the fold, and their engagement with the you know with the the actual Navy SEALs that spend, you know, we we have people from the Navy SEALs at pretty much every event, every practice, every game, uh, and understanding what their culture is and transferring that over to a team. Obviously, we don't go into combat. Um, but understanding the mentality of family and taking care of, of your brother and, and what that means, you know, protecting the plates, as they say, um, we're, we're pretty engaged in that and we're very um, entrenched in that culture. So credit to Patrick for that, credit to Brody for that, but uh, the guys are buying in. So as we wrap up the podcast here, we're a little less than two weeks away from the first game on the road in Buffalo a little less than three weeks from the home opener. Uh, what does this time look like for you? What are you expecting out of this season on you know multiple fronts? And, and what's got you most excited? Well, as the president of the organization, you know certainly I'm I'm engaged in the product, right? And I want to make sure that we're winning games. And I, I love to see that personally because ultimately I'm, I'm a massive competitor uh, and want to see us win. Um, so winning is is important, um, but winning has takes on uh, kind of different faces in the position that I'm in, and certainly, um, you know, making sure that we're playing in front of a packed house is is key and important. Um, making sure that we're we're maximizing as many tickets in that building as we can, and that's something that I'm. Uh, along with a great group of people here very focused on and and certainly have built up a staff that I think is doing a wonderful job to spread the word uh, in this marketplace. You know, our sponsorships are obviously, I talked a little bit about that before, that's something that's vitally important, but, you know, it's something I talk to you about daily is is how can we portray our SEALs 
uh, in the content that we're producing and how do we show this product and engage with people in a way uh, that they can get it in bite-sized pieces, you know, as we move into the into the season with highlight packages and, and great content and great editing. And uh, you know what? To me, um, the social media platform, I highly recommend people out there, if, if you found this podcast, you, you're probably on our social media. But, you know, engage and watch our stuff because ultimately I think we're, we're one of the best, if not the best team in the league with regards to media content production. I think, I think our guys do a great job here. And so those four things are really important to me. You know, ticket sales, sponsorship, um, and our marketing process, but, but our content creation. And then ultimately, it, it doesn't mean a thing if your team doesn't perform on the field. So uh, super excited about that. The game production is, is amazing. If we can put on a great show and we can win games, then we've done our job. And, and ultimately, we want to see people enjoy that in the same way that I think our entire staff does. It's going to be a really exciting year. The team is really excited and fired up to get started. Uh, this, I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk and, and talk publicly so people can get your thoughts on what's going on with the season, with the team, the business, and uh, you know maybe even some other random topics to, to get out into the air. But, I'm uh, sure we can get into random topics. It's, but, it's uh, what we do on a daily basis. We do that. Appreciate the time. Uh, looking forward to a couple weeks here, getting it going. And Thanks, Mike. Our thanks to Steve Govett for that uh, enlightening conversation. And now we head over to a conversation I had with Westberg and Cam Holding. Joined now by defenseman Cam Holding and forward Westberg to talk about the last couple weeks of camp. Camp wrapped up. We have a full roster now. A lot went on. And uh, guys, let's just kind of jump back into the trip to Vancouver. You played two exhibition games up there. One against Saskatchewan, one against Vancouver, uh, you know, Two different results. What happened up there? Not so much about the results, because obviously the results aren't that important. But you know what happened on the lacrosse side? How did you guys prepare for the upcoming season? What was the progression? Yeah, the biggest thing for that weekend uh, up in Vancouver was to build chemistry. Um, really start to narrow in the guys that are going to be playing. You know, in 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 the games uh, starting on December seventh and kind of understanding and really fine-tuning our systems, both on offense and on defense. And yeah, like you mentioned, you know, we were really successful against Vancouver and, uh, or sorry, we were really successful against uh, Saskatchewan and then kind of let it slip a little against Vancouver. But that's what these games, these preseason games are used for. Um, they're learning, they're building um, so that we can be as prepared as possible come December seventh when we play Buffalo. Yeah, it was nice to play against a different team rather than kind of beating up on your own teammates. So I thought, especially that first game against Saskatchewan, even with you know, probably a lot of them that getting getting off the plane and similar with us, I thought our defense was really aggressive and, and tenacious, and they did they did a good job, especially against one of the best uh, offensives in the league and and some of those players. So it was uh, it was good to see. And then Vancouver the next day, I mean, we might have ran a little bit out of steam with uh, practice in the morning and, and a fresh Vancouver team, but. Uh, at the same time, we we were building off that and, and still uh, got some good work in. So it was it was a good weekend altogether. And that game got a little chippy with Vancouver and you know, a little history last year. You know, pretty competitive games and you know, a little bit of a little extracurriculars in that game. It seemed like. Yeah, and it's kind of just same as last year. You know, picking up right where we left off. And you know, if fans are looking to come out to any big rivalry games this year, you can mark that one on your calendar right now. So I, that That's probably the right. Everybody's looking for the rival. You know, you've got some connections with the Mammoth. Uh, everybody hates Dane Doby and Calgary, but they're good. I, I felt like Vancouver kind of was the most budding rivalry for us. I mean, both very much West Coast teams and just a real chippiness in every game that we played against them last year and it continued into camp this year. Yeah, aside from, you know, both of our groups having big bodies last year and, uh, you know, both teams really wanted to throw our weight around. We went up there and beat them in Vancouver by one. A really, really close game. Really, really close. exciting finish. Ball just trickled past. Thank God it stayed out. But we ended up winning that one, you know, and then they came down and, you know, it kind of embarrassed us at home. 14 6 loss. And, um, you know, after a game like that, you really got to put a chip on your shoulder. And so I think every game from here on out, we're going to have a little bit of that rivalry. And you can expect that physical nature and play and, and the hustle between the lines with that game. 
and you're from Vancouver. You get home, get to see some family when you're up there. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good to get back and, and see my parents and girlfriend and spend a bit of time. And ironically, it was raining here the couple of days and sunny there. So that's not usually the, the case in Vancouver this time of year. It's usually just pissing rain. So it's good to get home and see some family. Yeah, you don't see that here in San Diego, except recently we did have a little bit of rain, but uh, a little bit different up there. Uh, moving on to the following weekend, uh, a big weekend here, uh, and you guys actually did a ton of the legwork, if not literally all the legwork, in setting up beach lacrosse, and this is something that our president, Steve Govett, has really tried to push. He likes the concept, uh, wanted to make it a team-building aspect for you guys, and also just kind of the starting of a, a possible sport, what it could be down the road. Um, you know, Give me your first impressions of beach lacrosse. You know, We, we can get it into the, the details and the planning of, of it a little bit there, but you, know, you went through it. Give me your first impressions of beach lacrosse. The first impressions was that it was a fantastic event. It was a great day. We were blessed with good weather. Uh, all the players had a ton of fun. I don't. I mean, we were all having a good time from a team building standpoint. It was incredibly competitive, which is exactly what we wanted to see. And all the fans enjoyed it. And I, I would assume they were all entertained. Like you're watching the best players in in the world playing on a beach in the middle of November, and they were putting on a good show. So um, it was awesome. I loved the event. Yeah, it was a great turnout for the, the fans, and uh, this being our first event that we've run on beach lacrosse, so we weren't sure exactly what to expect in terms of how the rules and everything would work out, but we thought it, it made for a great tournament. All the players had a lot of fun, and it was good fan engagement, and um, yeah, it got pretty competitive. It's actually amazing how tired you get. It was supposed to be a little more relaxing of a training camp event, but running in the sand sure takes a lot out of you. So the, the field was a little bit bigger than we expected, I think, in a lot of games. So it was, it was fun and it was another good way to stay in shape. With how competitive it was too, I've never seen Connor Kiernan work so fast <laughs> up and down a field. Like that guy was buzzing out there. It was funny. Uh, he got in goal a lot. It yeah. seemed like he kind of thought he could, you know, stay in the back, not have to run as much, but yeah. then the competitive juices flowed. And that was the funny part to me. This was supposed to be fun team building kind of like the last activity of camp before you start really getting into the regular season and, right. and there was a little bit of money on the line but i think it was more about pride and guys just wanted to win right yeah exactly right i mean we're all here we're all competitive you want to walk away at the top so any uh any surprises in beach lacrosse i mean you know i think we saw like garrett Apple you know, the guy here in, in the box game scored a lot of goals. Like, who surprised you out there playing beach? I mean, it's a different game, obviously. Yeah, uh, Heppel was awesome. We had uh, Marcosini that p played pretty good, too, with the, those the, some of those field players that can really run the field. And uh, it's especially with some of our goalies in there, we only – Frankie was tough to score on, oh, as you'd expect. And, and so was Garrett McIntosh as an unbelievable goalie. But a lot of us were out there uh, <laughs> trying to play goalie, and you realize how tough of a position it is stepping in and trying to stop somebody one-on-one. -on -one. Now, if you look at our highlight video too, the first clip is Drew Belgrave doing some crazy offensive move, which for a guy with stone hands, um, you know, it was quite impressive to see. Sorry, Drew. Yeah, it was, it was quite impressive. I mean, he's a beauty. and Maybe it's the shirt off. He gets a shirt off. A little bit and of like, confidence. Well, maybe he's restricted by a jersey and pads. Like, you get a shirt off, and he can just let it flow out there. Right? New, yeah, yeah, new uh, NLL approval here for tarps off during a game. That guy would be like, the, the fans would be into it, I think. Um, you know, Wes, you struggled in the, in the round-robin play. Now... Was it actually a struggle, or were you kind of sandbagging it a little bit? Like you didn't win a game, right? We, we, we in, uh, round robin, we went 0-5, I think, but we knew that uh, everybody gets in the next round. Maybe a few teams feeling pretty good about themselves, and we had a bit more of a game plan going into the finals, and or into the playoffs, and we ended up getting to the finals, so just as we planned it. And you had a specific strategy, right? What, what, what was Team Berg doing out there that, that worked in bracket play? Uh, we we got back in net. I think uh, the first couple games we must have had about four or five empty net goals scored on us where we, we didn't have a goalie get back there. So we designated the slosh man to get back and, and play goalie. <laughs> he played pretty good back there, and he's got those those good running legs. He's able to get back before the, the break came in. and So we figured that out, and, and uh, yeah, we did pretty good, but we, we ran into a hot goalie. We just couldn't score on Frankie Frank at, at the unreal. end there, and, and they ended up winning it. 
that was the best part. The two teams that made the finals had to combine one victory in round robin play, so one and nine, and then they make it to the finals. You know, it, it was a learning process for everybody. I mean, I don't think anybody had the go-to strategy for beach lacrosse. You had to kind of get in there and figure it out. What did you figure out? No, and that's for your part. Team? Of, I mean, for our team, we were. Uh we were kind of middle of the pack and we got booted first round, which kind of sucked. But, you know, for me and I know for Wes, like we were running the event, it was more about trying to understand what works best. And now it's going to go back to the drawing board for future events to fine tune the rules, the atmosphere, you know, the gameplay, the strategy, and really figure out how this is going to work uh, moving forward. Because ultimately we'd love to bring in all the NLL teams and do a great event and have representation from, from every NLL team and, and, one game or one tournament yeah it incorporates some of the youth aspect in it so um even something kind of like the junior nll but it's a bit easier to bring um you know when you only have about five players on a team you can do it at every age group and even doing some uh co-ed where we might have a, a yeah. girls program in it too or so so there's a lot of things we can we can do from here and um, we're excited to keep working with it yeah keep building on it and you guys got to spend a lot of time with some good fans out there you got some kids into the games for fun a little bit they got to play around when you weren't playing a game get out and play you know throw the ball around with kids it seemed like the fans had a really good time out there as well yeah it was great and i was uh, you know it was really cool to see how many people actually came out and everybody was enjoying it enjoying the show and yeah like you said we kind of brought some of the kids out there to have a good experience and and uh you know have some good interaction with the players which is not all we're not always that accessible but i think that's the great thing about our league and our guys is that we love um being with our fans and interacting with them and um yeah it's just great it is the beauty of the nll and the accessibility that you guys have to the fans and how gracious you are with your time because that's what's going to grow this game and make it really special and and Wes you have to take a big victory in that I saw a lot of people bring their chairs and that can only be attributed to your performance in the uh, promotional video yeah that's right uh, they got the message at the end so that was good there was a lot of people lined up on the sideline there and it was it's a great crowd well, moving on to the season, we're just about, what, a little under two weeks from uh, opening night in yeah. Buffalo. So you guys are going to go up there and start on the road. Uh, we've got a 21-man roster. Uh, we've got a couple injuries. Uh, Austin Stotts is not uh, starting the season active. And uh, as of right now, Casey Jackson is going to start on the injured on the injured side. Uh, but a good camp. Uh, on the offensive side, Wes, you know, where do you guys feel like you're at? Gelled? A little, little more work to go. How did you guys progress over the time of camp? We're coming together nicely as, a, as an offensive unit. And um, clearly without a guy like Austin Stats and, and Casey, you kind of just to start off, there's a bit of a hole there. But we've got a lot of depth offensively and a lot of guys that can, can fill some roles. And um, I think just looking at our, our, our players, um, we've got a lot of athletic ability out there and we move the ball well and we're gonna you know we play really well as a unit so it's it's gonna be fun and again it's it's an, a lot of new faces so it'll take some time bu um, building some chemistry and getting to figure out guys tendencies but I think just the way that um, even in training camp that we move the ball and move our feet and, and, and play with some really good flow I think we're gonna have a um, very successful season here. And you feel like it's going to be a good ball movement team. It looks like there's not a lot of ball holding. You know, there's not one guy with the ball on a stick just holding on to the ball. It looks like you guys are finding some good movement, looking for the open teammate, a lot of good uh, teamwork out there. Definitely. I mean, a lot of really unselfish players that just want um, success for the team and, and you know, want, want everybody to, to feel part of uh, getting into the game. And sometimes when – you know, you've got a couple of players that maybe shoot first, ask questions later. Um, you you kind of lose the flow of the game a bit. And I think a lot of our guys um, do a great job of, especially early on in the game and early in possessions, getting through the middle and moving the ball and swinging it. And that's going to be, uh, you know, it's always tough to defend defensively when you've got to keep your head on a swivel and find your guy and everybody's moving out there. It's it's tough to stop. So, um, so far, seen some, some great things from that end of the floor and, uh, you know, just keep building on it and, important ones coming up on the on the seventh in Buffalo and then Cam on the defensive side a little bit different you know the core of the defense is there just adding some uh some different pieces uh to the back end of that side you know how did Cam go for you guys do you feel you know the, te the tendencies of your teammate you guys are kind of locked in on all your schemes yeah I think we're ready to go I mean Patrick's built 
you know, quite the back end here. We've added, you know, Mark Lassini, uh, standout from Yale, big guy in the PLL. Um, Eli Gobrek, again, he's Denver Owls, but he's a fantastic player. And the biggest thing that sticks out for me with our defense is our work ethic and our attitude. And we have a group back there that's willing to do anything for the, for the good of the team. Um, and I think that's going to pay dividends throughout the season. So I'm excited to watch uh, our DN get to work um, on the 7th, and it'll be all right. And then kind of flipping the tables on you guys, Cam, give me the defensive perspective of our offense. You know, what's scary about our offense, and, and what did you see out there that you liked on the other yeah, side of the ball? The easy answer for that you already touched on is that they move the ball. And as a defense, when you're swinging the ball from one side to the other, it's going up, down, you've got picks, motion. It, it makes the, you know, the D guys have to do more. And when you're doing more, there's more room for error. And... Um, thankfully, you know, I'm confident in our D, but the, the O guys give us a good test and the ability to move the ball and move it well and with a great lacrosse mind like Shooter, um, kind of given the direction, um, they're moving the ball with a purpose. And, I th you know, I think they're just going to, you're going to see a bunch of guys getting points and it won't be one or two guys to focus on, which I believe makes a successful team. So. And then West, you know, from the offensive side, you had to go up against this defense. Uh, where are their strengths and, and what did you, what else did you see that you liked? Um, actually, pretty similar to our offensive end. Uh, we got a lot of athleticism back there. So not only are we, we good at kind of covering gaps and, and getting out on the ball, but the transition to you see the way we've got some guys that can get the ball up the floor quickly and, and create some odd man rushes for us, which is always great. And um, you know, the backbone of your defense is goaltending. We've got one of the best goalies out there. So Frankie's always, you know, it's, you get a lot of confidence in a, in a defense that you can kind of um, – you know, you can play your role and not worry about somebody taking an outside shot that might, you know, you're not, if you're not confident in your goalie, sometimes you're overplaying things. And that's, that's a huge part of our defense is having the confidence in, in Frankie and he's an awesome goalie. And then, um, yeah, we, you know, we do a great job again of, of being aggressive and, and taking away space and, and time, which is as an offensive guy, it's tough, tough to make plays when there's somebody always on your hands or always. Um, kind of all over you checking you so I think we do a good job doing that and kind of going back to Frank you played with Frank in Calgary you've seen you know the ups and downs of his career and obviously he had the best season of his career last year uh, I know you've watched a lot of film did you see that potential in him when you played with him when he was younger and you were younger and now that he's gotten this opportunity he's really kind of grasped it or is it just like one of those natural growths of a of a goaltender um, well, just growing up with him, he was always the best goalie out there, especially for our age group. Um, we won provincial championships off of him just kind of standing on his head. He won uh, one with BC, a, a national championship when they were younger, and he was about the same size as he is today in Bantam. But he's always been such a talented goalie, and uh, playing against him in junior, we always had such a tough time scoring on him. And the, the NLLs, it's it's uh, you know it's the top league in box, so it always takes um, goalies, especially younger goalies. He he came into the league at I think 18 or 19. It takes a lot of time because you're seeing a lot of great shooters. Not only the nets are bigger and uh, your sticks are smaller, it takes a bit of time to adapt. But um, you know he he came in and he played great for us in Calgary. And you look at the season he had; he's just getting better and better. And um, playing with him this summer. Uh, you, you just, you know, there's not a lot of net to shoot at. He's so athletic for such a big guy, and um, we have a ton of confidence in him. And, he, and not only that, he, he throws the ball well and and uh, is able to generate some offense for us too. So he's, yeah, it's been a, been a pleasure growing up with him and playing with him, and he, he's just getting better and better. And Cam, when you have such strong goaltending behind you, do you play differently, or is it you've got a job to do no matter what, kind of goaltending you have behind you I mean are you able to take gambles when you know the guy back there's got a, a leg up or can you not do that the correct answer is that you play the same no matter who's between the pipes um, but you're amongst friends so we yeah can, but, we, but we that said I mean having Frank there like part of our defense is to put people in areas where he's going to make saves and when we're confident in his ability to make those saves it's all good, you know? So, we, yeah, we can be a little over-pursuit, but like Wes said, I mean, the shooters are so good. If we let guys shoot right on top of the net, you know, they're going to they're gonna find a way to score. Um, but, I mean, even going back to the SAS game, and Bergie was talking about how good and high-powered their offense is, Frank was making unreal saves at training camp in our scrimmage. And <clears throat> I was sitting in the corner watching him, and 
he was just making save after save and jumping across the net. And I mean, that guy's ready to go. I cannot wait to, to see what kind of season he has this year. So what are the next uh, little less than two weeks look like for you guys? Obviously, the, the American Thanksgiving holiday is coming up. Uh, the Canadian Thanksgiving holiday already happened, but I'm sure you guys are going to celebrate. But what do the, the next couple of weeks look like for you guys getting ready uh, for that opening night game in Buffalo? Yeah, so it's just going to start, I mean, obviously, take care of the body. You know, you can kind of let the body go to waste over Thanksgiving. So we'll uh, definitely try and eat right, work out, do all the things that uh, we should be doing outside of the rink, and then start watching film, um, really prepping for our first game and, and studying Buffalo for me it'll be studying the offensive players and you know Berger will be looking at the D and how to beat Matt Vince so um, you know just mentally preparing for for battle on the seventh yeah Cam pretty much covered it there um, definitely try to keep the body limber and and uh, stay in shape and then for us from an offensive standpoint uh, Matt Vince one of the best goalies of all time so Figure out uh, some some game film on him and, and where we're going to shoot and and see if we can find some holes uh, defensively in Buffalo on some film and, and watching some games this weekend. So it's not always the greatest to have their your first week as a bye week because you catch a, a team that's kind of got those jitters out or whatever it is in the first game, but. Um, it's always always a great atmosphere to play in Buffalo, so we're looking forward to it. Should be a great measuring stick. I mean, probably the best team in the league. They didn't win the finals, but had an incredible regular season record. Um, lost a couple guys, but probably still going to be a really strong team. What are you guys expecting from Buffalo? They're going to be quick, high-powered, physical on defense, skilled on offense, great goaltender. I mean, you touched on it. They're, they're one of the better teams in this league. Um, it's going to be a great test for us, but you know we will always look at ourselves as one of the best, if not the best, team in this league, and so we're ready to go and compete and give it our all. And um, after you know our game here last year against Buffalo, which was, I mean, we only had you know two kind of bad losses at home. That was one of them, and they kind of kind of rubbed their face in it a little bit. And um, you know our our guys are ready to go to war, and that's what it's going to be. So um, ready for a big one. Well, good luck, guys. Uh, again, December 7th in Buffalo. You can catch that game on BR Live. And then the home opener on December 14th at Pachanga Arena, taking on Toronto. Uh, Dan Dawson coming back uh, oh, yeah. to, to play the boys, so that'll be a, a little emotional for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, good luck out there. Have a great holiday. Get yourselves ready, and, uh, you know, let's get the season going the right way. Thanks, Mike. Right on. Thank you, Mike.